You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Good morning, Grace. You excited about Jesus this morning? Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here as Angela shared. I'm a partner here, and it's been such a joy to be up here and bring the word this morning. Last night, I was at a retirement party, and I told my neighbor, I've got to be in three services tomorrow. And he looked at me and said, well, what did you do wrong? I said, no, I get to preach tomorrow. So I am just excited because we are wrapping up this study that we've been doing in the book of Galatians be free. In your bulletin, you have the final installment of the devotional that we've been writing. And so you have that to look through this week. And, uh, but I believe that, that God has a message for all of us here this morning that we can really hold on to and anchor and take that away with us. And so let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the beautiful corporate worship that we've had to lift your name on high. And Father, as we listen to your word right now, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. We pray that your voice would be heard. We pray that your agenda would prevail. And we're asking that you would touch every heart, every mind, open every ear to what it is you would have us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my family and I had an interesting beginning to our week. We decided to take an impromptu trip out to the beach. So we drove out to William, uh, what is it, Williamton? Wilmington. And we went to Wrightsville Beach. And so the kids and I were having a great time. We were there for two days, Monday and Tuesday. And so we were just enjoying the water. And so on Tuesday, we had the boogie boards out and we, you know, had some medium sized waves. And so we were trying to catch a few of those. And I had drifted so much out that I am now up to my shoulders. And I thought, gosh, I'm getting a little deep out here. I should probably start to tread in a little bit. And so I start working my way in. And all of a sudden, something bites me right on my foot. I don't know what it is, but I want to get out of there because I don't want to get bit again. So I start splashing through the water and the the boogie boards whipping around on me and the waves are splashing into me. And I am doing this for about 30 seconds and realize that I have not gone anywhere. And so I just don't want to get bit again because I don't know what it is around there in that ocean with me. And so Ethan, my 12-year-old, is about 12 yards, uh, 10, 10, 12 yards to, to my left. And so I start calling out to him, and I said, something bit me. And I'm just trying to gain some ground so I can get to the shoreline. And so finally I'm making some progress, and I'm working my way there, and I see my wife, and I start flapping my arms. I'm like, something bit me, something bit me. And she's looking out, and she sees me, and she just starts waving at me. <laughs> It took me almost four minutes to finally get to the shoreline. And when I finally got there and got out of the water, I'm limping and I look down at my foot and it's covered in blood. And so my wife runs up to get the lifeguard and he comes down and he's like, well, what happened? I said, you know, I was just out there about 40 yards out and I was just swimming and something just got a chunk of me and bit me. And I said, now I'm, I'm burning. And he looks down at my foot, and I got a triangle gash in there. He said, you've just been stung by a stingray. 
And so my wife's response is, well, is he going to die? <laughs> so the lifeguard says, no, why don't you sit down? Uh, let, me, let me check and make sure that the barb is not left in there, because if it is, then you've got to go to the hospital and get it removed. Well, thank God the barb was not left in there. And he said, well, now what we need to do is we need to get your foot in scalding hot water because that is what draws out the venom. So I hobble up a couple hundred yards to the hotel and they bring me out a scalding hot bucket of water that I stick my foot in. And so I had to soak for about two hours and the pain just got stronger and stronger and it would go in waves like it would stop and then it would come again and it would get really really strong and intensify it was like it was like contractions and I'm sorry women but I think this was worse than childbirth I didn't get an epidural okay I didn't get to have an epidural it was so painful I mean it got to the point where I could have cried And I wasn't going to because there's only three things that make me cry. Extreme home makeover, biggest loser, and Jesus. I I, I wasn't going to cry. But not only that, there were people all around the hotel walking through that lobby area. And they saw me there with my foot in a bucket of water. This guy comes up to me. He's wearing Dallas Cowboys gear. And he sees my foot and he goes, what's the matter with you? I said, I got stung by a stingray. He goes, oh my gosh, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Where'd that happen? Out there in the beach? I said, yeah, it happened out there in the beach. He goes, well, you going to go back out there? Finally, I turned to this Dallas fan. I looked at him and said, hail to the Redskins, no. (laughs) Now, hold hold on. Some of you think I just said a bad word in church. I did not say a bad word. There's nothing wrong with saying Redskins in the house of the Lord. We all know God's a Redskin fan. Come on, he came back in the flesh in the 80s and we called him Joe Gibbs. Okay? I can only get away with that because Pastor Farrell's not here. He's a Dallas fan. But you know what? Here's the ironic thing about it. First of all, I never questioned why me. As a matter of fact, I thanked God that it was me and not one of my kids or any other kid out there on the beach because I could, I could not bear to see one of my children or another child going through that pain. It was just so intense. It took five hours for the sting to wear off. And by the following day, I was better and I'm okay now. But, uh, so I never questioned it. But here's the ironic thing. I had to ask God, was this just some kind of a joke? I knew that I was speaking and so... Even though we were going to the beach, I could multitask. So I was enjoying the beach and boogie boarding while preparing this message. And so Monday I look at my notes and I get out to the water and I just enjoy God's creation and have conversation with Him and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. And then Tuesday I look through my notes and Paul's suffering. I'm going to focus on Paul's suffering. So I'm literally out in the water, up to my shoulders, meditating on Paul's suffering and I get stung. But I'm going to tell you, I in no way, shape, or form would ever compare my stingray wound to any suffering that Paul had ever gone through. Paul went through some serious stuff. He was beaten with rods on multiple occasions. He was put in chains. He was put in jail. He was shipwrecked. All for the sake of the gospel. And so here we are in the book of Galatians. 
Paul had already gone out there on a missionary journey. He had already spent time with them. He had cultivated them in this transition from a law that was several thousand years old to a gospel that is very young, about 30 years old. But he had cultivated them. He had nurtured them to transition them and help them understand that we are no longer law-based, we are gospel-based. But it was important to him that he get this point across about his suffering. And I believe that he really sums up the entire book in verse 17. Paul says, quite frankly, I don't want to be bothered by any more of these disputes. I have far more important things to do. The serious living of this faith. I bear in my body scars from my service to Jesus. He wants to make them understand how important and powerful this gospel is to the point of his suffering. Why is he still going on though? Beaten after beating after beating and he's still preaching. Jail and chains and he's still preaching. Multiple shipwrecks and he's still preaching. Why? Well, first of all, it is impossible to advance the kingdom of heaven without suffering. It's impossible. If we're choosing to be a vessel for the gospel, you better believe that we're going to suffer. Because there is no way for, for, for the kingdom of heaven to advance on earth without suffering. And if it were, then the cross is pointless. Because even Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if you could take this cup from me, let it pass. But it didn't pass. But the other point that that Paul is making here is, see, Paul had his own mission. Paul was on the road to Damascus with a mission to murder anybody who believed in the way. He wanted to get rid of them. He wanted them out of his way. And on that road to Damascus, Paul had a life-changing experience. He had an encounter with Jesus. He got a touch of grace that changed his mind and transformed his heart forever. And it was such a powerful encounter that he would go to any lengths and to any cost to get that message spread to whomever he could. Paul wanted people to know that Jesus has saved me and if he could save me, he could save you too. Paul wanted people to know that Jesus has set me free. There is more to Jesus than salvation. And if there is anything that any of us leave here today with, let it be that. There is more to Jesus than salvation. And we have a message to send other people through our salvation experience. So how serious are we about the gospel? And what message are we sending to others? Has anybody in here ever complained about anything before? I mean, we ever complained? We have this new platform called social media that as soon as something rubs me the wrong way, as soon as something gets on my nerves, I'm going to make sure everybody knows about it. And so what do we do? In a matter of seconds, we broadcast our rants. And now we engage an audience in our rant. We've sent a message I was reading through one of the uh, the community uh, the community uh, 
groups that I belong to. And so somebody had posted that there is a man in a black car and he just pulled up to a house and he got out of the car and he ran up to the house and he rang the doorbell and then he started poking through the windows and, and looking around on the porch. And then all of a sudden he ran back from his back, back to his car and he drove off. Okay. Okay. And, 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 and so... And so people start engaging with her. And they're like, are you okay? Did you call the police? This is very suspicious. Because she had mentioned that this was a suspicious person. And so she's putting all this on there and people are engaging. And then she goes, yeah, and I even got his license plate number. Well, did you report him to the police? Well, somebody else chimes in and says, I can run his license plate. And he did. And then he posted a picture of this man with his profile, with his DMV profile, which I can't even imagine that that would be legal. But he, he posted it with his name, his address, everything. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And I just thought for a moment, first of all, I don't even engage in these rants. It's not worth my time. I have far more important things to do than to engage in something like that. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe this was just a neighbor or a a friend or a family member who's just knocking on a door and trying to see if anybody's home and, and nobody's home. But nonetheless, this person felt that it was so important to send this message that she put it up there on Facebook. But see, we have to understand something, that when God saved us, He made us a new creation. And that new creation has a message of freedom. And that's the message that God desires for us to spread. And so we are in this battle of old man versus new man. And who's going to win because I've been rubbed the wrong way. And I'm angry right now. And I want the whole world of Facebook to know what I'm feeling. And I want my engaging audience to fuel that flame of my complaints. Is that the message of salvation that we should be spreading to others? I want you to think about that for a moment. See, I have studied the scriptures from front to back, back to front, middle to front, and middle to back. And I have never, ever, to this day, seen anywhere where Jesus complained about the cross. I can't find it. And I have never seen anywhere where Paul complained about his beatings or his shipwrecks or his chains or being in jail. When Paul got saved, he became a new creation and at all costs, he made sure that no matter what he was going through, no matter what the level of suffering, I am going to get that message that Jesus is salvation, deliverance, hope and freedom out there. And thank God he did because we are reaping the benefits of it today. Do you know that there are people in the body of Christ who are saved but are not living in freedom? Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're free. Your salvation is a pathway to that freedom. But we need to be living the gospel The whole gospel. Nothing but the gospel. Every day of our lives. There's a battle. But just because we're saved. Does not mean that we're free. 
There are people in this house right now, saved by grace, but not free, still bound to the divorce that happened 10 years ago, to the betrayal from a spouse, holding on to the bitterness of unforgiveness. But hallelujah, Jesus, you got your salvation, but you don't have your freedom. And so now, Paul's trying to explain to the Galatians that salvation received by grace should be lived out in a way that serves others. He never preached a selfish gospel. Jesus didn't bear the cross for himself. Paul didn't bear the sufferings for himself. We are reaping the benefits from that. And so Paul wants them to understand that we need to be serving each other with this gospel. And I believe that that was what got Paul irritated when he finally told him, stop bothering me. Stop bothering me with these disputes. I have more important things to do. I've spent time with you. I've cultivated you. I've nurtured you. I've told you about the gospel. Now you've got these petty disputes that you guys are arguing about. Listen, I've been in church all my life. I've heard the pettiest of the pettiest. People complaining because you took my parking spot. You took my seat in the pew. Your kid steals toys from my kid in, in the nursery, and so I'm changing services. I mean, some of the things that we, that we complain with each other about is ridiculous. But where is the serious living of our faith? And when is it going to rise up that these petty disputes, we can just push them to the side? Because you know what? There's a message living in each and every one of us that the world needs to hear. The world needs to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to get to the Father. The world needs to hear that Jesus is salvation. The world needs to hear that there is hope, there is deliverance, and there is freedom from every single bondage that this world has to offer. And they need to hear it from us because the world cannot teach the world that. The old man has no concept of new man freedom. Are we serious enough about our faith that our salvation is sending that message? Now you and I both know that the enemy is not going to let us get away with just getting out there and spreading that gospel message. There's no way. He's got an agenda and he's going to do everything he can to stop salvation. But hey, we're all saved. You can't take my salvation. Well, maybe not. But if the enemy can't steal your salvation, then he'll steal your growth. What better way than to put these disputes in the church, in the body of Christ? What better way than, 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 than to get all these issues rising up to where we're where, where, where distracted? See, these disputes were a distraction from them being able to focus on the goal. Have you ever walked into a store for one thing? I got to go buy milk. And you get distracted looking at other things and you come out with a basket full of stuff. And what are you missing? Your milk. The simplest distraction can take us off course. And I'll tell you, if the enemy can do that, boy... Is he happy? Because if I can't steal your salvation, I'm going to steal your growth. I'm going to keep you from having a contagious salvation that's going to save others and save others and save others. I'm going to keep you from spreading a message that's going to set people free. I'm going to stunt your growth. We've got to really think about that. The next time we get rubbed the wrong way by a coworker, 
by another person in church, by a family member, by a neighbor. Better really think about, oh, the old man wants to rise right now, but the new man is saying, bite my tongue. See, Paul was trying to help them understand there's some serious things going on in the churches in Galatia. Do you understand that there are people struggling with deep sins in the church and you're so caught up, distracted by these disputes and you're not serving one another with the gospel? There are people today in the church, here in this house right now, whose marriages are falling apart. There are adulterers in this church right now. There are liars, thieves, drug addicts, alcoholics here right now. You want to know why? Because somebody mentioned something about this Jesus and how He can save me and set me free. People are coming to church because they want to know, is this Jesus guy really real? They're coming to church because they want to have an encounter with Jesus and not with man. And you know what? There are people in this house right now who have overcome and have a restored marriage. There are people who have overcome addictions in this house. And how are we restoring one another with the message of freedom that God has poured in to each and every one of us? We have a message that needs to be heard. But we have a war waging inside of us between that old man and that new man and these silly little disputes that's really going to be the determination of how serious are we? Would you really exchange your freedom to engage in a dispute that stunts your growth? You've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Park somewhere else. Sit somewhere else. Paul said, not only do I want you to restore the fallen, I want you to help the struggling. We need each other. We can't do life alone. We need each other. On another one of those uh, community group posts, there was a woman who posted a picture of a dog and said, hey, I don't know whose dog this is, but he's running around the neighborhood. So somebody chimes in and says, oh, I know, I know that dog. Yeah, I see him and the owner all the time, but he doesn't live here. He actually lives next door. And then another person chimes in and she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an elderly man. Uh, the fence is broken and so the dog can get out. And so he'll come after work if he doesn't see him in his fence. And he'll come drive around the neighborhood and call for him and put him back in the truck and take him home. And then this woman jumps in there and she says, well, I don't know whose dog this is, and I don't care whose dog this is, but I'm sick and tired of him coming to my yard and messing in my yard. So I'm going to call animal control. And another person chimes in and says, hey, I got an idea. She said, why don't we raise some money? I know he doesn't live in our neighborhood, but he's still a neighbor. Why don't we raise some money and help him out and build back up his fence? And so more people start chiming in. And they say, yeah, I'll donate to that. Yeah, I'll donate that too. And so as I was looking through there, the woman who wanted to call animal control never responded again. You know, I, I, I don't know what she, was, what she was feeling or what she was thinking uh, at that moment when she saw that. But the point is, is that 
you know, Paul wants us to know that, look, we've got to get serious about the gospel. We've got to take care of each other. I was listening to the testimony of a woman a few years ago when she was talking about how she was struggling very deeply with a dark sin. She loved Jesus. She was in the church, but she wasn't free. She was bound by homosexuality. But she wrestled. She wrestled. She didn't want it. And so she built the courage to finally find a leader in the church who she could confess her sin to because she wanted help and she knew she couldn't do it alone. So she finds a woman and she goes up to her and she goes, I've got to confess something to you because I need help and I'm struggling. And the lady looks at her and says, okay, tell me what it is. And she was so embarrassed and so full of shame that she couldn't even look at her. So she, she put her head down and she began to tell her that I'm struggling with homosexuality. And I don't know how to get out. But I want to get out. I want to get out. And I just don't know what to do. And when she was done with her confession, she looked up at this woman and what she saw devastated her. Because on this leader's face was, was utter disgust. She was disgusted by this confession. And it devastated this woman so deeply that not only did she leave the church, she went and indulged and lived in that lifestyle. For years. got to restore each other. You have overcome something that the person sitting next to you needs to overcome as well. What message are we sending? We've got to get serious about our faith. After living for years in that lifestyle, she finally found a support system who could walk with her and who could help her and who could see her set free. And today, her and her husband have been married for over 10 years. Praise God. We have to sit and really think about is it worth it. See, we can do good to everybody. But that doesn't mean that everybody's going to do good to us. We've got to make that choice. We've got to think about, you know, what's really worth it. I mean, think about it. If a doctor just completed life, if he just completed life-saving surgery on you and called you the wrong name, are you going to dispute him? Waitress, you, you told her, I can't have any cheese, and she still brings the food out with cheese. It's a Saturday afternoon and all you want to do is just relax and enjoy your day. You want to watch the ball game and you go outside and there's trash all over your lawn because your neighbor's dog got into it. You got a tap from the old creation. You need to walk over there. You need to give your neighbor a piece of your mind. You need to tell him that that dog has no business in your garbage. You need to tell him that he needs to chain him up and keep him behind a fence. You need to tell him that he needs to go over and clean up his mess. You tell him the next time he does it, you're calling animal control. Because remember, the law says an eye for an eye. 
you get a tap on the right shoulder. And it's the new creation talking to you that says, Hey, I know you're upset, but I want you to go outside and I want you to clean the mess. And then I want you to go talk to your neighbor with the same grace that I've already poured out on you this morning. And I want you to extend that to him. Tell him his pudgy little pug jumped up in your trash, made a playground out of your yard, but that you cleaned it and that it's okay. Ask him, can you give his dog a rawhide bone or something to keep him company? But see, when you listen to the Holy Spirit, things happen. So you walk over, they're led by the Holy Spirit, and you say what you've got to say, full of grace, and what do you hear on the television? The ball game. And he's rooting for the same team you're rooting for. And the two of you strike it up, a conversation, and now you just made a friend. See, we have a message that needs to be heard. And there's a way that we can treat one another that honors God in the way that we do it. There's a call for wisdom. And this is what Paul is trying to say, is that we can be free. There is more to Jesus than salvation. There is freedom. And how we spend this, how we turn around and sow this, is what we're going to reap. So Paul's telling him, hey listen, what you sow is what you reap. In today's terms, it's real simple. What goes around comes around. Think about that. That's a scripture. What goes around comes around is a scripture. What you sow is what you reap. And we have to understand that we serve a God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. We serve a God of abundance and we serve a God who loves the blessed. And so what we sow, we will reap in multiplication. That's the God we serve. He's a multiplier. And it doesn't always come in the same season. It'll come down the road. It'll come down the road. See, there will be a time in your life where you were abundant financially and you were able to bless somebody. And guess what? Years down the road, you may need a little something and here comes a blessing because of what you did five years ago. That's the God we serve, a God of abundance. And so as we close this morning, this is the challenge that is on our hearts. God saved me. He put in me a brand new creation and He gave me a brand new message that is beyond salvation. Message of freedom, a message of hope, a message of deliverance. What am I going to do with it? And at what cost? How serious am I going to get about my faith? Am I willing to step out of the comfort zone? Am I willing to rise up and start serving and volunteering in a ministry that they just meet too early in the morning for me? Am I ready to go on that missions trip? I've always wanted to, but I've always been afraid to. Are you willing to rise beyond that because someone around the world needs to hear how you overcame? Somebody around the world is waiting to hear that from you. You know, when we were leaving the beach... And I was walking up to the car and Ethan was next to me and he said, Dad, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this. He said, Dad, I actually thought you were joking. I didn't think you were being real. And as I'm hobbling up there, I looked at him and I said, well, when did you know it was serious? 
And he said, when I saw the blood, when I saw the blood, I knew it was serious. When does our salvation become serious? The blood of Jesus, how precious it is and how powerful it is. Is it powerful enough to get us to the place where we're willing to be so serious that we can set aside the silly little disputes and send a message that people need to hear? Why did you come here this morning? Remember, Paul's engaging in this. Uh, he's trying to break down religion so he can bring in relationship. Are you just fulfilling a religious duty this morning by coming in, worshiping, taking the word, and then leaving? Or do you want to get relational with the gospel? You want to take this in and say, okay, God, I'm ready to get serious. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to spend the message of freedom that you've given me and I'll spend it wherever you tell me to spend it at any cost you tell me to spend it at. I'll suffer for it, God. Why? Because it's that powerful. The blood is that powerful. Are we ready for that? Because you know there are people here this morning who aren't saved. There are people here this morning who came in very broken, very wounded, wanting to know that they could leave today with some hope. And all it's going to take is a little arm around the shoulder, a hug, holding someone's hand and saying, I've been there. I know what you're going through. I'll walk with you. I'll pray with you. I'll spend time with you. Because Jesus saved me and he set me free. Let's stand together this morning. And our ushers, our prayer team can come forward. If this challenge is on your heart and you want us to pray with you and to see you overcome whatever it is that you're, you're, you're wrestling with right now, maybe you are saved, but that old man is having his way inside of you. That old creation wants to dominate. Or maybe you're saved and the enemy is stunting your growth. Or maybe you're saved and you're just still bound to something and you just can't be set free. Let us pray with you this morning. Because there's hope. And if you're here this morning and you've never done this Jesus thing before, but you're ready. You're ready to step out and say, "I I can't live my life the way I've been living it anymore. I can't do this. I'm ready to become a new creation. Let us pray with you this morning. We'll pray with you. Let us walk with you this morning. Because at one point or another, every single one of us were not saved. And so we got a story to tell. What's your story this week? Think about it when you get cut off on the freeway. Speak a blessing. Because you don't know what that person's going through. You got a rude co-worker. Before you snarl back, think about it. Because you don't know the night she just had. You don't know the news she just got. You don't know what she's going through. Think about it the next time you have a bad experience with customer service. Because you don't know their story. 
You don't know how broken and wounded that waitress is because her husband's been unfaithful. And she just can't take it anymore. You just don't know. Think about it. We have a choice to choose freedom. We've been given that free will because of the precious blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you so much this morning. Lord, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. We thank you that that blood cleanses us, that that blood washes us, that that blood saves us, that that blood sets us free. We thank you for that, Lord. And Father, if there is anybody in here this morning who says, I want Jesus, then we ask you, Lord, to make that person brand new. Make them a new creation. Give them a brand new story, Lord. Wipe the slate clean in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for the people who are struggling this morning, saved but not free, we pray for them, Lord, that they will press through to overcome that they will go beyond salvation and engage in a relationship with you of hope and deliverance and freedom. We pray, Lord God, as a church, as a body of believers, that we will set aside these ridiculous disputes, Lord God, and that we will rise up to the occasion and that we will take our faith seriously. Seriously, Lord, to the point of suffering so that other people can know how great this Jesus is. Lord, I pray that that would be so heavy on our hearts, Lord God. So, so heavy on our hearts that we would go out of our way to spread that message of freedom. We love you, the Lord. We love you, Lord, this morning. We praise you, Lord, this morning. And all we ask is to be a vessel of your gospel. All we ask, Lord, is that your gospel will flow in us and through us, that people will have encounters with you and not with our flesh. That is the desire of our hearts here this morning. And let it pour out beyond these walls, Lord God. Let it spill into the streets and into the city of Charlotte. Lord, bring salvation and revival into the city of Charlotte, Lord God. We want to see a mighty, mighty move of God taking place place in North Carolina. Let it sweep up and down the coast. Let it move from east to west, Lord God. Let it cover the United States of America because the world needs to know that Jesus saves, that Jesus can set us free. They need to know that there is more to Jesus than salvation. Lord, we are a broken, wounded body and we need healing. And so we pray that you would spread that in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. We all shout amen for more information on grace covenant church our service times ministry opportunities directions and more visit us at gracecovenant.org